Welcome to Healthcare Upside Down with your host, Dr. Nick Vanterhaven, and brought to you by ECG Management Consultants. You can learn more about the show on the program's page at healthcarenowradio.com or on our blog at ecgmc.com hud. The U.S. spends more on healthcare per capita than any other country on the planet. So why don't we have superior outcomes? Why haven't the principles of capitalism prevailed? And why do American consumers have so much trouble accessing and paying for healthcare? Each week, Healthcare Upside Down will dive into these and other issues with ECG principal, Dr. Nick, and guest panelists as they discuss the upsides and downsides of healthcare in the U.S. and how to make the system work for everyone. And we end with your better pill to swallow, the conclusion to today's episode with insights on challenges and changes that improve healthcare. Now here's your host, Dr. Nick. My spirit animal is either an eagle, cat, or dog. I envy the constant positive attitude of dogs, and there are days I stare at my cat with envy as she only moves to track the changing coverage of sun in the room. She always looks supremely relaxed and toasty. But the eagle is all about my fascination with flying. I love to travel, but even the actual process of flying has been a fascination to me. I've been lucky to have a few lessons in both fixed wings, that's planes in general, and rotary or helicopters, and in another life plan on coming back as a pilot. The experience is especially interesting. As you first learn to fly, there's a lot going on and managing all these different inputs is overwhelming, especially in helicopters. So much so that in my first lesson in a helicopter, I found I had muscle aches all over my upper body, but there was no muscle work necessary in flying. When I discussed it the next time with my instructor, he explained it was all a result of my stress and how tightly I was holding the controls, which was not helping me. I quickly learned about the trim wheels, flap controls and stability augmentation systems, tools that help reduce the amount of work necessary to keep the plane flying steady. And there was some psychology as well. Letting go and allowing the tools to do their job also made a big difference. In essence, relaxing a little. Healthcare bears many similarities. The experience of any patient stepping into the system for the first time overwhelms many. And this is true even for the people who work in the system, who you might think would have enough background to manage their experience successfully. It starts with access and scheduling and continues throughout the healthcare journey. But as we found in other parts of our lives, there are capabilities to improve this process. Booking a table at the local restaurant, especially if you're away from home, is done using an online tool. You can find the available restaurants, check on times, number of spots, and make a quick friction-free decision. Interact with a healthcare system and you will struggle to find that level of convenience. There is certainly no relaxing in our system, but it should be possible. Join me on the Healthcare Upside Down show as I talk with Jeff Gartland. He's the Chief Executive Officer of Relation. Hi, Jeff. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So uh, you recently conducted a survey uh, looking at patients, uh, patient experiences uh, with the MGMA, and you know, it was a patient engagement report, and I, I, I read it, and, you know, my summary of this is 
patients are fed up with the experience and specifically around scheduling, um, big challenge. I think we have relative values in our general experiences, but in healthcare, it's almost like everything stops and we go back to, I, I don't know, the dark ages, it feels like. What, were, what did you get out of the uh, survey? Yeah, absolutely. By the way, you know, the fax machine was was uh, invented in the mid 19th century. So it does feel like we go back to, to those ages sometimes in healthcare because the fax machine is still literally the number one communication device in healthcare. So, oh, my um, God, I, I'm just going to say Jeff Gartland has drawn us back into the mid 19th century. This is really bad. This is a bad start. Just where are we going to go from here? All right. So, um, you know, for me, a couple of things that really jumped out from this survey. Uh, one, I agree with you wholeheartedly that we as a society, as consumers, are fed up with the healthcare experience. Um, two, scheduling is one of the, if not uh, the most kind of critical workflow. Um, I'm a big proponent of, at the end of the day, healthcare is fantastic when you have a trusted provider and patient relationship. And that provider patient relationship really ultimately is centered around an appointment. That could be a virtual appointment. It could be an in-person appointment. Um, but uh, being able to get that scheduling experience for an appointment becomes really, really critical. Um, there's a couple other pieces though that really I think were, were quite fascinating. One is that how we as individuals think about the experience we engage with the provider around all of the consumer side of things. How do I schedule? How do I pay? Um, how do I communicate? How do I interact with that practice before and after my appointment? Those consumer elements are actually intertwined into my overall experience with the kind of clinical medical elements associated with that. So it's no longer just around whether you're able to cure my ailment, uh, help me out with a particular condition or disease, uh, help me understand what medications I should be on, not be on, so on and so forth. It's no longer uh, just that medical interaction that drives how I would look at you as a, a quality provider. It's all of these other consumer experiences that are very much a part of uh, how I, as, a, as an individual, would rate you. Um, and so I think that's a really important element uh, for us to get our head wrapped around because it then that ripples through a lot of of how we think about the rest of our our healthcare processes, how we how we staff up, how we how we drive our digital experiences. Um, the second thing added on top of that is we've done a fantastic job in healthcare of creating one way communications, so we can we can speak and communicate out from the practice out into the community uh, in pretty strong fashion. Um, it's relatively high adoption rates uh, across practices. Um, everything from communicating around an appointment reminder through, you know, educational materials, pre and post visit, so on and so forth. Um, we do a lot of one-way communication out. What we haven't done is actually create a digital experience for bi-directional communication. So if I get an appointment reminder and I get into trouble in terms of rescheduling that or changing my appointment, um, or I'm not exactly sure which forms I need to fill out ahead of time, my recourse is back to the phone. 
Um, it is not in a way that allows for me to effectively engage in a digital fashion. And, you know, really, I think the pandemic was a pretty darn big catalyst for us as a society. Um, I've been in healthcare for over 20 years and um, the pre-pandemic to the during pandemic to the post-pandemic uh, era that we're, we're entering into now, um, you see a really large shift in terms of that consumer behavior and how we are expecting those interactions to occur uh, and what we are effectively demanding uh, occur uh, in our in our healthcare ecosystem. Yeah, so the, there's a lot to to unpack there. First of all, the fact that you're going back to the phone, not the fax machine, is is good news. I'm just thinking based on your <laughs> previous comment. But let, let's um, focus on that two way communication because I think you're right. I mean, I, I've had multiple experiences. I certainly talk about them extensively, and you know that push piece does work. I get you know notification. But you're right, it sort of ends there. And in fact, the notification I just recently received said, please call us <laughs> to, believe it or not, schedule. And I'm, dear Lord. And, you know, there's a part of me that's listening to you and thinking, you know, I'm going back in time to the airlines. And we're talking a number of years ago, because I do remember the original check-in experience, going to the desk, giving them, you know, where I'm going, name, ID, all of those things. And I remember when the first sort of online check-in showed up, I was a little bit resistant to it, but I, it didn't take long for me to move. And then there was a point in time where I didn't have a printer or whatever it was, and I went up to the desk because it was on separate floors, and there was nobody there. So there'd been a big shift. Um, I think the airlines saw it, wanted it. The customers took a little bit of time. Where is the resistance to this? Because I don't feel like it's the patients. I, I want to go online. I, I'm looking at this survey and it talks about this percentage of people that say they don't, but there's this big chunk of folks who are saying, yeah, I get to online schedule. Not once, not one time have I ever online scheduled. Is it really happening? And if not, why? It, it does happen. Um, you know, we've got, I think on a on a national average, it's it's still probably in the mid single digits in terms of real adoption, which is dreadfully low. Um, but I'll tell you, we've got customers that are doing, you know, 30, 40, 50 percent of their scheduling online. So uh, there is material adoption, but it does require you to to lean into that new digital experience. So let's um, focus on that if we could. Yeah, um, to your to your comment though, you know, your question of like what what's the drag? Um, what I have found is that there is this balancing act, Nick, between that patient experience and all of the other downstream provider workflows that need to get dealt with. So, um, you know, it's interesting when you go to most online scheduling experiences right now. We ask 10, 12, 15 different types of triage questions. Give me your insurance information. Give me your, um, you know, are you a new patient? Are you an existing patient? Um, what are you in here for? Um, you know, have you have you been here uh, for that same ailment before? Like we ask a lot of these triage questions. And to kind of pick up on your airline analogy, when we when we book an airline ticket, we don't go through those same questions to that degree. Uh, we're not asking them, hey, have you have you ever sat in row 14 before? Right. Um, do you, you know, do you uh, do you typically 
Uh, board early or board late? Uh, do you like using overhead bags or do you always check? Like we don't ask those types of things in our other experiences. In healthcare, we do. And, and it causes you to step back and say, why? And ultimately what you land at is there's a lot of downstream workflows for a typical provider. Sometimes those are related to how the relationship between providers and health insurance plans. Uh, sometimes those are related to how that provider has organized their particular practice. Uh, sometimes it's due to, you know, the unique subspecialization or different locations or other kinds of things. But navigating that provider preference and understanding those provider preferences in sophisticated ways that allow for you to still create a great consumer experience is ultimately really the trick to this, is balancing those two worlds so that um, you don't just look at a provider as a provider as a provider, because that's not the truth. You know, when I, I don't just book randomly an appointment uh, and expect that I know whether it's the dermatologist or the orthopedist, right? Um, you have to understand some of those things. And even within them, different appointment types are very different and may have different lengths of time, may have different uh, resource requirements uh, associated with them. So being able to really understand those preferences and surface them in, in sophisticated ways that create that consumer experience is, is really ultimately the trick to this game. So a couple of questions and, you know, to your point of leaning in, you, you've you've got folks that are doing this, doing it successfully at high rates. I mean, that's obviously attractive. So they're doing something and it, it's working. So I'm I'm interested to know what that is. But I also want to posit something, um, you know, to your point, I think it's a fantastic example. You, you know, all of these questions are a big turnoff, especially when you're in a mobile app and, you know, and ultimately, I, I've got to be honest, I get asked these questions and then I get asked them again when I show up. I've still got to show. So is there a, a case to be made to say, make this as simple as possible? And, and I know there's a downside. So people could fill up your schedule and, and mess with it and really sort of, you know, create chaos. But I don't think anybody's got that intention. It, it might happen, but I think we're scared of it. it it's more about that frictionless pathway. Is that fair or not? It is It is uh, more than completely fair. And what we have found with providers that really drive high adoption, one of the really key things is not always asking for insurance right up front. Um, now, do you need insurance you know, at some point along the way? Absolutely. Um, do you need to do it somewhere between the point of scheduling and showing up, um, or you know, once they're once they're in the office, um, there are areas where you can capture that data down the line. Um, but putting that up right at the very beginning uh, tends to be one of the really big abrasion points, friction points to your to your point, Nick, of uh, not a really allowing for the consumer experience to to uh, flourish, and so. That is an area that we spend um, a good amount of time uh, working with providers and trying to navigate through is what are those things that we can help you optimize through to really allow for uh, that experience to, to fully flourish. There are others too. Um, and one of the things that's really helpful is when you can actually sit down with data and look through the data and say, you know, to a provider, hey, 
out of these thousand appointments that you had, you know, come to your website or come into your experience, you could have captured another hundred appointments if you had changed this preference or modified that approach or, or, you know, taken away this friction point and starting to use that data to open up uh, the experience, I think is, is really, really helpful. Um, you know, building off of your airline analogy, we, we oftentimes internally, we, we joke about, um, you know, everybody wants the open table for healthcare. Um, and the nice thing about open table is, you know, you can go and pick a time really quickly um, and you can get in and uh, they don't ask all of these different types of triage questions that prevent you from getting into that time slot. They don't ask whether you've been to that restaurant before. They don't ask what you ordered last time. You know, they don't ask for all of these different types of things that prevent you from from getting to the times quickly. And so uh, removing that, but doing so with data becomes really, really critical, I believe, because um Providers have oftentimes um, uh, struggled with kind of taking that first step, and and your airline is a great analogy where you know you kind of take that first leap and start moving, and then can keep incrementally improving it time over time over time, um, and not waiting for perfect. and And I think to do that is really sitting down with provider organizations, sitting down with real data, uh, sitting down with real consumers that are coming through their experience that would be. Um, more simply and more capably uh, accessing their their practice if they were to to open up certain capabilities. Yeah, and I think you made another interesting point uh, a little bit earlier on the the sort of the importance of customization based on the data, and you were referencing that there. And you know, I'm thinking about your um, your point about insurance and the, the fact that that sort of switches people off. But I imagine in different settings that you know, switch off point could be quite different, you know, in a in a community of uninsured individuals, insurance is going to be a certainty, you know, there's no point in asking. And the reality is, they're looking to pay cash, at least I would imagine. And therefore, offering those options and actually understanding it. And I think that's the difference. So my feeling is, as I'm listening to you, and I'm thinking about this, it's more about the physicians letting go and saying, let's try this. And, you know, there's obviously some risk involved in, you know, it could generate some challenges and chaos. But the reality is that there's great success stories. So how do they step off and do that? Where, Where do you think the individual's are resisting? I mean, what is it that they fear is going to happen, that they're going to be overwhelmed? Is that, I'm just, I'm not sure, because I'm on the other side of this mostly, even though I have an MD, and I think about it from an access standpoint, and I just don't, I'm struggling to see the resistance point. Yeah, you know, I think um, the, the ability to toggle and, and um, kind of moderate or throttle those friction points up and down is really, really an important element. Mm. Um, even within a given, you know, practice, there might be a, a couple of physicians that might be resistant, and there may be a, a huge quantity of physicians that are fully on board. Um, so it's not a not a one size fits all um, brush that you can kind of use on this uh, across the board, but. 
I think really being able to sit down with data, as I mentioned before, is key. Being able to sit down and be able to kind of toggle up or toggle down those on a doctor by doctor, um, location by location, specialty by specialty, uh, population by population kind of basis becomes really, really helpful uh, to allow for that opening up to, to begin because you're no longer in that fear zone of it's all or nothing. And I think that's historically been maybe part of the challenge is it feels very all or nothing. I'm either completely opened up and anybody can get on my calendar and it's total chaos, or I'm I'm really closed off and I'm managing my calendar with a three ring binder and a bunch of post-it notes and, and an, you know, a contact center or, or my front office staff that's really managing it very tightly. Um, like, like my admin manages my calendar, right? And so um, those kind of all or nothing worlds, I think, are just unrealistic. And being able to have a, a, a digital system that underpins this in a way that allows for you to experiment, test certain things, throttle something down. If it, if it gets a little too much, bring it back up. And you can do that again on a provider by provider basis, you know, locations, specialties. And it really does allow for you to, to kind of test and figure out what is the best suited um, approach for your population, um, for your practice, um, and for, you know, kind of ultimately the, the business that, that you're driving. Yeah, I, I, I like that a lot. And I like the uh, as, as you describe it, the levers to, to sort of increase um, friction, as you describe it. And, uh, you know, I, I guess we, we might have thrashed the airline analogy to death, but I'm sorry, <laughs> I've got to keep going there because it actually blends quite well with this because we have trim wheels in the cockpit and they're essentially a sort of form of friction that applies uh, aerolon, um, you know, uh, changes so that you can maintain level flight and it's a constant process it's different from take you know and for simplicity's sake it's you know those flaps coming down for landing <laughs> we're changing the the configuration and and i i like that a lot i think that's one of the ways to sort of help people get to this point so if you were to sort of outline it what would you tell people that are resisting is their pathway to success in doing, you know, this is, is their, their method? Well, if I'm, I'll beat up your airline analogy one last time, and it's easy. If you got on a plane every single time and 30 to 50% of the seats were open, and I had to pick up the phone and call in order to make a reservation, and they told me that the first available flight was more than a month from now, that is the current state of most healthcare in the United States. And to me, that is just not acceptable for where we need to be and what we need to do. And so um, access and simplifying access is critical. And I think there's a real element here where there's a win-win. We can fill up those seats and fill them up properly uh, without causing you know, total chaos on the back end. And I think that is, is ultimately key. Uh, and you can do so in a way that is uh, ultimately optimized for your situation in a in a configured fashion this is an exciting analogy i'm ex i'm just delighted we've sort of rounded this out perfectly to say we're going to fill those seats and give people the maximum access that impacts everybody across the board that's all about equity equity and the um availability of these resources that are you know not readily available in all places and this is essentially providing for it 
Jeff, thanks for joining me on the show. Thank you, Nick. I really appreciate it. So letting go and relaxing control can be challenging. It certainly was when I was attempting to learn to fly, but ultimately it led to a much better experience. The same is true in healthcare. And as you heard Jeff say, just one small change driven by insight from your data can bring about a huge positive impact for your patients or consumers. Removing that friction works for them and it works for your healthcare system and the economics. Your better pill to swallow? Start with steps founded on insights you derive from your system or setting. Even without data, you will find patients more than willing to offer insights into the experience that can be improved. Automation exists, and while we oftentimes start out concerned, most of the time the reality proves very positive for you, your staff, physicians, clinicians, administrative staff, and above all, the patients. Thanks for joining me, your host, Dr. Nick, on this week's edition of Healthcare Upside Down. Until next week, keep solving the business of healthcare as if your life depended on it, as one day soon, it will. That's all the time we have for today. You can find all of our episodes on your favorite listening platform by searching for Healthcare Now Radio. Also, check out our blog at ecgmc.com slash hud for summaries and commentary from each episode. Follow our show's social hashtag, HC Upside Down. And join us each week as we work to solve the business of healthcare for everyone.